Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. What happens when a baby does not get adequate amounts of iron or vitamin A? For help answering this question, I turn to Dr. Amer Imdad, an assistant professor of pediatrics specializing in gastroenterology. Dr. Imdad, welcome to The Informed Patient. Thank you for having me. Let's start by first talking about what iron is and why we need it in our diets. I understand it's a mineral, but what does it do? Well, iron indeed is a mineral that body needs uh, for growth and development. So it is important for hemoglobin, which is a protein in the red blood cell that carries oxygen from the lungs to all parts of the body. It also plays a very important role in other protein called myoglobin, which is a protein that provides oxygen to the muscles. Iron is also involved in a bunch of hormones as well. So it's very critical to have adequate amount of iron in the body for proper functioning. Now, there are foods that are rich in iron, is that right? That is correct. Are the dietary sources as good as supplements? Well, let me go back and explain a little bit more about that. So the iron could be available in the heme form, which is the most bioavailable, and then there is a non-heme form. So the heme form comes typically from the animal products, like, for example, lean meat, uh, uh, seafood, poultry. And then the non-heme source uh, comes from the plant base, like beans, lentils, spinach, kidney beans, peas, uh, and, and some of the nuts as well. Um, now, the fortification that happens actually has more of the heme component to it, and heme is more bioavailable than the non-heme part of it. Um, so putting this together, the bioavailability of iron is better from the animal source. However, if the animal source and the plant-based source of iron is taken together, the bioavailability increases even further. How much iron do we need? And does that change for if as a baby going into uh, toddlerhood, teen years, adult, seniors? Does it that change is- over the lifespan? That is correct. So the recommended daily average amount that is needed is different based on the age and gender as well. So for very young babies, so the babies uh, that are born full term and are less than six months, they actually have adequate amount of iron that they had stored from the mother. So an average requirement for a baby less than six months is only 0.27 milligrams per day. However, for babies older than that, for example, seven to 12 months, it goes up to 11 because they are rapidly growing. And then children say one to three years, it's about seven milligrams per day. And then older kids, like in teenagers, for example, the teen boys have about 11 milligram and the teen girls, on the other hand, about 15 milligrams per day. The requirement kind of decreases in older age group. For example, for adults more than 50 years of age, the requirement is only about 8 milligrams per day. Pregnant females and breastfeeding mothers have additional requirement uh, for iron because of the requirements of pregnancy and lactation. Why do young women need more iron than young men? 
it is mainly related. So for adolescent females, for example, they are developing in terms of their you know, secondary sexual characteristics and also the blood loss during menstruation plays an important role. So, so the young women of reproductive age require more iron, say, compared to their um, age-matched males. Now, what happens if a person doesn't get enough iron? So it depends on the extent of the deficiency. So you can have marginal deficiency, which actually won't lead to a whole lot of uh, symptoms uh, other than, say, just being fatigued or tired or in very young kids, they may be more irritable. But if you develop severe deficiency, then you can develop iron deficiency anemia, which is the decrease in the red blood cell mass in the body. And depending on age, um, it can lead to symptoms like lethargy and inability to play in very young kids to grown-ups where they may not be able to perform their daily activities. Do you ever see people who have too much iron, and, and is that a problem? Sometimes it is. Uh, it is not very often that um, there is an excessive iron intake. However, some of the supplementation, uh, if taken on, over a longer period of time, can lead to iron toxicity. Interestingly, um, in very young kids, sometimes they can overdose uh, on the tablets that their parents have, for example. If the mom is pregnant for another baby and, and the younger baby consumes the tablets that mom is supposed to take, that can lead to toxicity. And uh, it, it used to be one of the common cause of toxic overdose in young kids, and it has decreased over time because the way the tablets are packaged now, previously they were actually sugar-coated, and nowadays they are not, and that has helped decrease the incidence where the over-ingestion can lead to severe complication in very young children. Well, now I'd like to focus on some research that you and your colleagues in Syracuse and elsewhere were involved in you were assessing the iron content in a food product that is used to treat malnutrition. Is that right? That is correct. What were you looking for? So we responded to a call from World Health Organization where, um, and I'm going to call it WHO from here onwards. Um, so the WHO is entrusted to issue its guidelines on how to treat severe acute malnutrition in children, especially in low and middle income countries. Now, when the children, and especially very young children, develop severe acute malnutrition, which is defined based on their weight for their height, if it is um, less than the standard weight for height for their age, say there is a, there is a term called Z-score, which is a standard score that you're supposed to have for that age. If, if um, the weight for height is below uh, three standard deviations from that standard, then you are called to have severe acute malnutrition. Now, the kids who have severe acute malnutrition, more than half of them have severe iron deficiency-related um, anemia, which is the low blood counts. That is a risk factor for not only having uh, increased risk of infection, but also the risk of death is higher in children who have severe anemia. So uh, historically, these children who have severe acute malnutrition uh, were treated inpatient but more recently, the WHO and other organizations like UNICEF are trying to treat these children in the community setting because there are too many in numbers and the resources are not available. So in order to be treated in the community setting, they are fed something called ready-to-use therapeutic foods called RUTF. 
Now, our UTF are these dried uh, peanut-based food product that has all the macronutrients. So the macronutrients are the proteins, the carbohydrates, and the fat. And it also has the micronutrients, including the iron, zinc, and other important minerals that are needed for growth. Now, um, historically, there was about 10 to 12 milligrams of iron per 100 grams of RUTF, um, but the studies have shown that this much of iron may not be enough to treat the amount of anemia or iron deficiency that is there in the children with severe acute malnutrition. So we were asked to evaluate and look at the studies uh, that has used higher dose, higher dose of iron, like say up to 50 milligrams per 100 grams of RUTF, and if that has a better effect on treatment and, and prevention of anemia in these children. And what we concluded was that the higher dose indeed is effective in treating the anemia in these children, and that is a potential avenue for future research because the number of studies were small, but the data that is available indeed shows that uh, the risk of anemia could be lower uh, with increased dose of iron in, in the study to use therapeutic foods. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with Dr. Amer M. Dad. He's an assistant professor of pediatrics who specializes in gastroenterology at Upstate. And he's been involved in research that uh, looks at the iron content in food products. Now, you were describing a product that the World Health Organization recommends um, ready-to-use therapeutic foods for infants. Is that a product that's available in the United States? We typically don't use that in, in, in high-income countries, including the United States. The risk factors for malnutrition uh, are kind of different in low- and middle-income countries compared to high-income countries. Having said that, you know, the resources available in developed countries are, uh, you know, much more easily available and the food insecurity and, and, and the community prevalence of infectious disease is lower in higher income countries. So the number of children who have severe acute malnutrition is actually much smaller in high income countries like the United States. So we end up treating them with the traditional, um, you know, foods that we have depending on the age. For example, for very young kids, we have infant formulas that we can feed by mouth or if we need to use a feeding tube like a nasogastric tube or a gastrostomy tube. So we can help them go through nutritional rehabilitation with the resources. In low and middle income countries, there is really not that many resources uh, that are available. So these products, which are readily available that require minimal uh, preparation or uh, storage needs are, are advocated uh, so that these kids could you know, go through rehabilitation and uh, could be prevented from complications, including risk for infectious disease and possible death. Well, let me ask you about breastfeeding. Do babies get adequate iron if they're exclusively breastfed for the first two years of life? Yeah, so it, it depends on the in the age. As I mentioned earlier, the babies who are born full term actually have a fair amount of iron stored in their body tissues, and they require minimal amount of uh, iron. So the, for the first four months or so, if a full term baby is exclusively breastfed, they don't need additional. Iron. However, after that, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends to supplement the exclusively breastfed babies to have about one milligram per kilogram 
per day of iron. It is specifically further recommended for uh, for kids who may not be able to consume um, the complementary feedings, which is the feeding that is started somewhere around four to six months of age. Um, that does not have enough of the iron source in it. So those babies are at a higher risk of developing iron deficiency anemia. And um, the, the Academy recommend the supplementation and advocate for diverse type of foods that have iron in it to prevent the iron deficiency anemia. The older kids um, are at a relatively lower risk because as the kids grow, they eat more diverse type of diet. So it is less likely to have iron deficiency later in life, like after one year of age. However, if the diet is not diverse, then they are at high risk of developing iron deficiency anemia. Well, Doctor, in that, you've also done research on the role of vitamin A in children under age five. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so vitamin A is another essential micronutrient. So essential micronutrient is an is is a is a micronutrient that is required in small quantities, but the body itself cannot synthesize it. So it has to be taken externally. Um, so there are about 190 million children around the globe that have vitamin A deficiency, and vitamin A deficiency can increase your risk of infectious disease, especially due to diarrhea, measles, and pneumonia. It is also actually the most common nutritional cause of blindness in in children and um, and 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 grown ups. So um, so vitamin A supplementation can help prevent these infectious disease and the blindness in young children. So we um, synthesized the evidence on vitamin A supplementation in children six to fifty nine months of age. Um, this work was uh, invited by WHO, and we initially published that back in 2011, and we have done more updates on that. And based on uh, our work, the WHO currently recommend the supplementation for vitamin A in children who are at least six months of age, um, and that they get a dose of about 50,000 international units every six months, and the kids who are more than one year of age to get about 100,000 international units uh, every six months to help treat and prevent vitamin A deficiency. How would you advise a mom to tell whether her baby is getting adequate iron and vitamin A? Are there tests? Do, do pediatricians look for this at regular exams? So the, the deficiency of uh, iron and vitamin A um, in, uh, in high-income countries like the United States is actually rare. So in otherwise healthy developing child, the risk of for deficiency of these micronutrients is, is low. Now, having said that, there are certain scenarios where the risk of deficiency might be higher, uh, such as uh, some of the gastrointestinal diseases like celiac disease or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Uh, sometimes the conditions that uh, affect the pancreas can also lead to um, deficiency of these micronutrients. Some of the children who are on spectrum, uh, uh, this is, uh, autism spectrum disorders, those kids might have sensory issues and limit their food to very specific foods. And if the if, if the diet is not diverse, then these children can develop micronutrient deficiencies. So a thing to look for, say, for example, for iron, 
um, you know, the kid may not be very playful or uh, they may be just tired. They might look very pale for vitamin A deficiency. Their skin might get really dry. Sometimes they develop really uh, significant dryness of their eyes. If they have difficulty seeing at night, that is highly concerning for vitamin A deficiency and an immediate um uh, attention should be given to that child, and 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 a, and a and a doctor should be consulted for further evaluation. Well, I know your specialty is gastroenterology. What impact does vitamin A have on digestion? So vitamin A plays an important role in in number of functions in the body overall. The gastrointestinal tract is uh, is in the front line in terms of receiving the nutrition and then processing it leading to a proper absorption. So vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin, which means that it is only soluble through the fat and there is a, uh, a separate process for fat-soluble vitamins compared to, say, water-soluble vitamin, like, for example, vitamin B12 or B6 or vitamin C, for example, or water-soluble vitamins compared to vitamin A, which is more fat-soluble. So if there is any dysfunction in the gastrointestinal tract where the uh, digestion of the fat uh, part of the diet is is disrupted, for example, in liver disease or in pancreatic disease or, say, in celiac disease, then the risk of developing vitamin A deficiency is higher in those conditions. What impact does iron have on digestion? So iron, again, has significant role. It obviously uh, is a major part of the red blood cells and it increases their oxygen carrying capacity. It also uh, increasing the um, storage capacity for muscles in terms of the way they use the oxygen. Uh, the absorption of iron in gastrointestinal tract involves, you know, number of different sites, including the stomach and the, and the very last part of the small bowel at the terminal ileum. So if there is any defect or disease part of the gastrointestinal tract where the absorption of, say, iron happens, then that can lead to iron deficiency anemia. Similarly, if um, there is uh, an overdose of um, iron, uh, say, for any given age, if the uh, iron was given more than 20 milligrams per kilogram, then can cause significant uh, gastrointestinal problems, including the acute bleeding and risk of death. Um, the iron supplements that are typically taken, say, during pregnancy or for treatment of iron deficiency anemia can cause nausea and um, abdominal pain. Sometimes it can cause constipation or blood in stool. Um, so um, iron is very tightly controlled as it goes through the gastrointestinal tract and um, more than um, Typical uh, dose can cause a, a mild to moderate to severe symptom depending on how much is the iron in terms of when it was taken. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about this, Dr. Indian. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Assistant Professor of Pediatrics, Dr. Amer Imdad. He specializes in gastroenterology at Upstate Medical University. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.